0: Tonight I wanna dedicate my drash to somebody who had a profound impact on my life. And I think one of the reasons you might not have ever heard of her is because she was a woman uh, and she was probably the most profound voice of her generation as a Holocaust survivor. Um, We know very much about Elie Wiesel's story. We don't know as much about Gerda Weissman Klein's story. And I just wanted to dedicate my dress to her. She passed away this week. And uh, when I was 10 years old, my mother went to my synagogue and she met Gerda Weissman Klein and she brought back her memoir. It's called All But My Life. And she inscribed it to me, to Sydney with love, Gerda Weissman Klein. And I was 10 years old when I read my first Holocaust memoir about a little girl who survived Auschwitz. and it changed my life forever. If you haven't read this book, please read this book. And I wondered if I would ever get a chance to meet her myself and to tell her what an impact she had on a 10 year old little girl's life. Definitely it helped me think about antisemitism in a different way and what it would mean to fight antisemitism with my whole heart and soul. And I became a rabbi in many ways because of that. And then in 2001, our congregants, Ron and Barbara Kaufman, who were dear friends of Gerda Weissman Klein, they brought her to Temple Emmanuel, And I got to meet her in person, and I got to tell her her impact on my life. And I invited her to the late Shabbat, which is the service we're about to have at 8.30, all young adults. And there were 400 young adults where you were sitting in 2001. And I brought Gerda Weissman Klein onto the Bema right here. I asked people to raise their hands if they had never met a Holocaust survivor before, and over half of them had not met a Holocaust survivor. This was in this was 20 years ago. And at the very end of her speaking, she pulled out this book, and she gave it to me. It had been published every single year. Same book, different color. All but my life. Um, and she wrote in it to Sydney because... You understand so well and care so very much, with deep gratitude and love, on a memorable day day in 2001. When I think about if I had to leave my home or if I was in danger of the synagogue, what I would grab, it's these two books. Um, And so I just wanna, as we think about saying Kaddish for her tonight, um, if you've never heard of her, she won an Emmy She won an Academy Award for her Life Story, Best Documentary, Um, and she was awarded by President Barack Obama the Presidential Medal of Honor. She was really Mamash someone and dedicated her entire life after she was liberated from Auschwitz to telling people her story, and she continued until just this past year. So that's Gerda Weissman Klein. I dedicate this trash to her. And you will also see that I brought my great-grandmother's pot to services as an honored guest. And this is not just my great-grandmother's pot, but it's my great-grandmother's gefilte fish pot. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but there's a story of a, a little boy who watches his mother preparing for Passover, and every year she does the same thing. Takes a huge brisket and cuts off one end of it and cuts off the other end of it and then puts it in the oven. And finally, he says to his mom, why do we always cut off one end and the other in this recipe of yours and put it in the oven? Why is that so important? And she said, well, we've, we've always done it this way, called Bubby. And so he calls his grandmother and he says, we always cut off each end of the brisket and we put it in the oven. What, what recipe is that? And she said, it's not the recipe. In the old country, the oven was Tiny. So I like to think about that story and think about the fact that when uh, I grew up, I was so little when I first encountered this gefilte fish pot that I could climb inside of it. And uh, it was a few years ago. And um, my my great-grandmother made gefilte fish with my grandmother and with my mom, and I would watch them every year before Pesach. And... I told the story of how this gefilte fish pot came over on the boat from Bielostock, Poland. And I told it a couple times until that next Passover. My mom said, this is your nani's pot. And I said, I know. And she said, your nani was born in Chicago, Sydney. <laughs> so I think I mixed up my one side of my family and my other side of my family, which is okay because our stories are so important. Our ancestry is so important. But it's okay if you mixed up your Polish... Um, grandmother and your Chicago grandmother um, but this actually was probably from Devon Avenue in Chicago um, but, but for me it is so symbolic of the transmission of recipes and of food and of tradition and of stories and what we call the Shalshalit Kabbalah this incredible chain of transmission of tradition that each one of us is so blessed to have and my mom would make the gefilte fish in this every year and then if she came here she would actually make the gefilte fish in Chicago, and she'd put it, the gefilte fish in a carry-on, and she would wheel it to San Francisco. Until one day, probably 10 years ago, I went to pick her up at the airport, and there was this huge tattered box that came on the United Carousel with her luggage. And I said, what's in the box, Mom? That box has traveled far, even though it was just from Chicago, because in this pot are all the stories of my ancestors and the stories of my family. And I want you to all think about how important those stories are as we move into this very intense period from slavery to freedom. And the Jewish holidays, the three big Jewish holidays, are called the Shlosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage. A regal is a foot. The three times when you are on a journey. And it was the physical journey that the Israelites made to Jerusalem during Sukkot and Pesach and Shavuot. And next Friday night, we will enter again, 3,000 years later, this journeying that we do together. And you know that there are people in Tel Aviv, there's people in Morocco, there's people in New Jersey, there's people all over the world, that same moment when the moon is completely full, because it's the 14th of the month of Nisan, it's a full moon, that we'll be arriving to the beginning of the Haggadah, the beginning of the Seder together. And so as I started our service, thinking about how do we get prepared for that and not just going and getting the fish or the brisket, um, I wanted to um, bring our attention to a few things. One is the idea of the four children. Whether you have children or not, everybody once was a child. And so although in the Seder, we point to four different children, the wise, the wicked, the simple, and the one who doesn't know what to ask, I like to think as we prepare for next week, that at some point or another in our lives, we're all of those children. So if you think about a time when you felt very wise, very smart, or a time when you might have been naughty, wicked, you did something, you broke a law or a rule, a time when you felt you didn't get it, maybe you were too simple for the people around you, most of all today, I feel like I don't know the questions to ask. Sometimes I'm just not sure because the world is upside down, and it's a painful place. And so I... Ask four different questions tonight for us to think about. One is why is there so much suffering, so much suffering in the world in this moment? What can I, what can each one of us, what can we do about it together? How can I celebrate and feel joy, happiness, love in the midst of so much unrest, suffering, sadness in the world, in, in my own heart? in our families, in our communities, all over the world. And then finally, unlike when I was little and I would watch and I would smell that smell that I didn't like so much, and I would hear the words behold Vador, in every generation, we have to actually feel what it was like to be enslaved. And I, I just, I couldn't get it. I didn't know what I meant, I was on, it was in Highland Park. <laughs> I was in like the, the hamlet of an upper middle-class Jewish Chicago suburb. I didn't feel enslaved. It took me a little bit longer to figure out what that really means, which is that look around into other people's eyes and know their slavery is your own and figure out what is inside of each one of us that's too narrow to express love or too narrow to lift up other people. And I also think about Dayenu. When we say the words Dayenu and we sing and it's so joyful, I just think about... Isn't it enough? Haven't we had enough? And I don't mean of the joy. We don't have enough joy and love and open heartedness and healing. We need more of that. But Dayenu, isn't it enough with the suffering and the death and the war? And on Shabbat, we're supposed to say Dayenu, it it would have been enough and we get Shabbat. We get this time when we actually are commanded to feel a little bit of joy. Finally, I, um, I want each person to bring something if you are celebrating Pesach ne- next Friday or Saturday or at any point during the seven days, something new to your Seder plate. Uh, some people bring an orange. Every year you have the opportunity to bring something new. And this year I learned about bringing a radish to the Seder plate. Why a radish? Not just for the bitter herb, but the word radical and eradicate come from the Latin word radix, which means root. It's also the root of the word radish, which happens to be a root. But it suggests that an idea or a person or a thing that is radical has to uproot, has to turn things upside down, has to look at things, discern them, analyze them, and say, this is not right. Where is my place to turn it back to the place it might be or could be in this world? And so I'm going to add a radish this year to our Seder plate so that we think about how radical Jews can be, should be, need to be, and want to be. Shabbat shalom.